The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. The Corgis are a pop band best known for their 1980 hit single, Everybody's Gotta Learn Sometime. And in a curious twist of fate, the Corgis have also penned a song about J. Robert Oppenheimer, the iconic father of the atomic bomb, called Oppenheimer Stuck in This Moment. And James and Al from the Corgis are with us here. How are you both today? We're good. Good afternoon. So what inspired you to write a song about J. Robert Oppenheimer. We have a co-writer who co-writes some of the a couple of the songs on Cartoon World, and he sent me a little a little guitar figure which had a, a tune a tune above it as well. And he said, "I haven't been able to do anything with this, um, and I've tried three times and, <laughs> and I failed every time. I've never been happy with it. And so um, I just started messing about with some lyrics for it." And I kind of hit upon. I just thought it's it's such a calm kind of a calm kind of tune. And I thought, what what could it be about, really? And I thought it could be about you know you have a pivotal moment in your life where you just go this this is the defining moment. You know this yeah. is the defining moment. And I I kind of I just started thinking about who who would have a moment like that. Um, and and Oppenheimer sprung to mind. You know, it could have been it could have been Einstein when he yeah. and his e equals m c squared and the uh, you know matter cannot be created and destroyed. Uh, but I thought at the time that Oppenheimer perfected his equation, and in his head, because he was a great scientist, in his head he knew it would work. Yeah. The 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 test was just an afterthought for him. It's like he knew it would work, and so that moment must have been a revelatory moment to him. It might have been a scary moment as well because he knew that he. He was able to unleash this enormous power. But at that time, it would be a point of stillness. And James and I both kind of all the way through this wanted to keep that feeling of stillness through the whole song. Um, it's the kind of song that could be on the end of an album, but 
I think we always pictured it maybe in the middle of the album somewhere mm. as like a, a still centre with chaos all around it, you know. Yes. And there's actually a Christopher Nolan documentary type thing out called Oppenheimer and it's about him. Is that just a coincidence that this song's out as well? Yes, it is completely. Yeah, it is completely. We didn't know about the film. My daughter told me about the film. He said, oh, yeah. uh, she said, oh, that, that, do you know there's a film as well? And I went, no, no, no idea, you know. <laughs> but it seemed a good time to release it. So how would you describe the musical style of it? Because I suppose the song that everybody knows you for, everybody's going to learn sometime. I suppose the vocal style is the same, but musically it's a little bit different. It is. It is a little bit different. Very guitar-based, acoustic yeah. guitar-based, but and three-part harmonies right from the start of the song, which is quite unusual these days. But, yeah, I, I really like that approach. I think that's what drew me when Al first played the idea to me. I think that that's what attracted me, this thing about having harmonies coming in right at the start of a song and having it un- uh, overlaid uh, on an acoustic, acoustic guitar sort of uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got something. <laughs> and for the lyrics, did you have to do any research? Because it's actually quite an educational song, isn't it? It teaches you a lot about mm. it. <laughs> I did quite a bit of research, but I mean, my research was not exactly exhaustive. I would say it was Wikipedia. <laughs> I had a little look at Wikipedia. Oh, Robert Oppenheimer, yeah, what, what was his life like? But he was fascinating. <laughs> he was fascinating. If, if life had gone a different way, he would have actually just been jailed on a murder charge wow. because he tried to poison his college professor with Whoa. a deadly apple. He left it on his desk. Fortunately, his professor didn't eat it, but things would have turned out very differently. Yeah. Um, and then when when the bombing of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki happened, Oppenheimer never denounced that, but then he devoted the rest of his life to peace. So it, it, was, it was one of those characters that it's, it's a bit hard to fathom, I think. Strange, because he's one of these people that if his life had gone differently the world as we know it would be quite different interestingly because of course the germans had been racing to build the atom bomb the heavy water plant the dam busters all of that was about killing their their race for the for the a-bomb and so uh yeah we might all be speaking german by now if uh, oppenheimer (laughs) hadn't got there first (laughs) yes through the wonders of modern technology you managed to get oppenheimer to actually sing some parts in the video didn't you Yes, isn't that clever? Again, man beneath me on this Zoom link, Al Steele. It was a couple of of phone apps. Um, There's a phone app called Revive, and it's it's like it's got a it's its main aim is like you can sing famous pop songs. You just (laughs) stick your picture in there, and you can go, "I will always love you," and it's quite funny. Um, but they introduced a new thing called lip sync. And basically they said, you can lip sync your own song into it and it will process it and do it. Uh, I immediately thought, oh, that's a good idea. What could we do with that then? And so, yeah, that, that was that was it. It was as simple as that. I worked a little bit on a photograph, um, put it on green screen, and then, you know, the, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. And how does that work? Do you just kind of film yourself singing it and it replaces the face? Into a phone, yeah. So, so um, you just s- sing or speak into a microphone. I think I tried it various ways to, to get it to to get it to the face to look to look right and i think i mainly sung i realized that i really had to hold the length of notes for full length yeah. uh, in order to get it to look right um the, the only little byproduct of it is it picks up on breathing so it oh. looks like 
between lines that Oppenheimer is kind of mumbling to himself under his lips, kind of just which is a bit disconcerting. But uh, you know, it all adds to the you know, all adds to that Cold War kind of thing. You know, yes, yeah. <laughs> You're both in the video as well as yourselves, aren't you? Yeah, yes. the three of us actually. John can't join us today, uh, yeah. but but the three of us sing that three part harmony, uh, and and the idea being that it would be a bit Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, that kind of three-part harmony of the 60s. Uh, So, yeah, we're all in it. (laughs) Yeah. And how does it feel to be kind of seen in the way that you are in the video? Because I believe you started out as a band where at the time there were a lot of kind of studio bands where you didn't necessarily go out on a lot of tours. So is it good to be seen and videoed and stuff? Yes, absolutely. And the funny thing is that before that whole uh, con- concept of let's be a studio band and not go out and appear before public, we'd all, we'd all been doing hundreds of gigs in various other bands. So it was a kind of like a rest period. You know, we thought, what a nice yeah, not having to bother about going traveling up and down the country again. We can just sort of stay in the studio all the time for a, for a while, anyway. But yes, yeah, so that was the idea behind that. But no, but we've always been uh, a touring sort of, you know, appearing before the public kind of band, really. So we're just getting back to that. Do you find that when you're out seeing the public, the reception is good? Oh, it's ecstatic. Every single gig, a sellout. <laughs> if only. If only <laughs> we we no we have we do have such a a loyal bunch of you know a loyal fan base. Um, we always say you know oh ten percent off merch for anyone that's at the gig and all that sort mm. of stuff. And we get people going, I don't want ten percent off. I want to pay the full price. Yeah, you know, wow. we, it's that sort of audience. You know, um, we wish there were a lot more of them. We could do with another hundred thousand of them. But but um, yeah, the ones that come to the gigs are are our best. You know, and most loyal supporters. We couldn't ask for better. Back in the day, I suppose you could have maybe survived without doing tours, whereas these days, it's kind of where you make your money, isn't it? It is. Times have changed radically. In fact, everything has become the opposite, really, of what it used to be. Because in the old days, it was just a matter of uh, selling records and that that was how you made your living. But but now, as, as you've just said, these days, to make any kind of living from music, you have to be out performing the whole time, which is great. I mean, we all love it but uh but it's it's uh it's strange how things have turned around i think james you 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 said to me when when we released the last album a song like bringing back the spirit of love if we'd released yeah. that um in the 80 in the early 80s it would have automatically been a hit uh, because there seemed to be a through line. You write a good song, you produce a good single, it will be a hit. It's, yeah. it's a bit like the truth will out. And those days are gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. it is all about how much you promote, you know, how much you can get yourself out there as to how many you sell. Um, mm. So it's a mm. very strange thing. So the gigs is another way to get yourself out there. And you're still releasing albums and singles. Do you think there's still a place for that? Because even though you're not going to make as much money from it anymore, is there still a reason to do it. 
Good <laughs> question. Good question. <laughs> I think I, I, I have a nostalgia for the old days of making albums. I, I, I love albums, really. So I hope we can continue doing it. But it's well, a good point. Yeah. I, th- I think with Cartoon World, we decided that we would go down the route of making a big, lavish package of making something that was like we released it on vinyl. It was a big, looked like a big double thing. We had a couple of posters in the side and everything. So, and everyone that has commented on has gone, oh man, the packaging is just so nice. It's just really nice to hold. Um, and so we wanted we wanted that, a bit of return to the fact that you can have something to hold in this yeah. digital age where you can't hold Spotify, you can't hold a Spotify song. Where, where what, what can you do? You need to do something else with it. I mean, I'm thinking maybe we need to release some physical packaging to go with the digital stuff. Because I think people are craving it. You know, they really are craving it. Do you find that maybe particularly your fans, I suppose fans of 80s music and earlier generally, are more likely to want a physical copy? They're more likely to be dying very soon now. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought I thought that's where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, undoubtedly people from the 80s and 90s w- w- would, yeah, are, are still hankering after the physical thing of having an object, you know, a CD or something. And yes, I mean, why not? I mean, I, I like it too. I, it, Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. It's a shame, really, that, that streaming has really sort of become the all-conquering monster that it has, I, I think. Yeah. I've got two younger daughters, though, and both of them collect vinyl. I mean, they're great at my vinyl collection, I will say. But both <laughs> of them collect vinyl. They both have record decks, and they're like 19 and uh, – sorry, 22 and 26. Uh, you know, so it isn't just – just an old person's thing. It's the young people who are also looking back at it and going, oh, that was cool. What a, you know, those yeah. big colours. Uh, I think they're missing something that's physical, you know. Yeah. Things go round, don't they? <laughs> and have your children got any of your songs on vinyl? <laughs> <laughs> My kids, <Yes>. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine do. In ah. fact, um, my youngest daughter designed all the cartoons for Cartoon World, so oh, she's wow. an artist. Uh, she does that. And um, on a new song that we're just releasing, actually all our families are going to be on the song because it's a song about families who emigrated to Australia as a series of letters. Oh, wow. So uh, this Sunday we're doing a recording where it really is a family affair. Um, you know, fathers and daughters are all kind of uh, going to be going to be on this song. That's another story. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so exciting. So how did you kind of develop your unique sound in those kind of early days? Because to mention the song, again, that's always attached to you, everybody's got to learn sometime. It's quite dreamy, isn't it? Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I think actually it was pretty exceptional amongst all the other tracks we were recording in those days. It, it, even then, it was just like an, an oddity which, yeah. which took off, you know, uh, because the other tracks we did were, were all, you know, all over the place stylistically. But, oh, but it was all very electronic-based in those days. Um, yeah, so everybody's got to learn was definitely an exception. There was another song we did called If I Had You, which was a, a hit in the UK, which was another sort of big pop sort of production thingy. And yeah, but yeah, everyone's got to learn was definitely something on its own. And we've never sort of attempted to really do something like it again. I think it's, I think it's one of those one off songs that you can't recapitulate really. It, it is what it is. Yeah. And what was it like? to have such big success with that song? It was strange, very odd, because uh, after all the years that we'd all been working in the music business and not really getting anywhere, suddenly it was all transformed overnight sort of thing and uh, amazing. I mean, I, I had no idea that radio stations would pick up on it like, like they did. I thought it was a good track, you know, but I thought it would just go the way of all the other tracks we'd ever released, you know, one or two <laughs> plays on radio Inverness or something and that would be it <laughs> but um but amazingly the, the sort of main radio stations went wild about it and yeah it, yeah it, it was very strange it took some getting used to what was the collaborative songwriting process both like during that time and recently the recent albums are very collaborative uh, in the fact that uh, the three main people in the corgis who are the, the, the three singers I mean James uh, James and John are the main singers I pitch in every now and then they let <laughs> every now and then um we we all will have ideas so john starts some ideas i start some ideas james starts some ideas and occasionally we have other co-writers that might like this oppenheimer 
thing where Chris Hopkins, our friend, just threw us this idea and said, what do you think of this? And the yeah. more we worked on it, the more we liked it. Um, so this one, this one in particular, um, Chris came with the first idea. I wrote some lyrics to it. And then James and I got together and wrote the middle eight, the very odd middle eight that yeah. becomes even more still. Uh, and this was something that we always felt about it. We we didn't want, you know, I, James is going, oh, do you think do you think we should? And I'm thinking, yeah, but it should be less rather than more. And he went, yeah, yeah, that's right. Less rather than more. And yeah. so we wrote that strange middle eight that almost stops, just has some kind of odd chords and almost stops and then comes back in with this still kind of quite slow kind of calm thing. Uh, so that's what happened with this one. Everyone is a different journey. There are some things that John originates and then James might write a verse. Um, often I will come in and pitch in some kind of off the wall lyrics because uh, we're trying to get away from just writing a collection of pop songs. We're trying to write songs that are more relevant to today. Mm. You know, that, that there are lots of things happening. And I always say, if you can't find anything to write about as a songwriter in this day and age, then you got problems. You need to give <laughs> up, really. <laughs> so back to the early days, James. How, how, how was your collaborations then? Well, not so free flowing, I would say. It was more question. I, I had my own sort of. I mean, remember, we were very young then. We're going back yeah. like forty years or something. So we were still young and developing, really, as people and as musicians. And I had my ideas, and uh, you know, the other guys, you know, in the studio at the time had their ideas, and somehow. We, we, we got, you know, we worked on songs and got somewhere, but it, it certainly wasn't as free flowing as, as it is today and, and, and as easy. And uh, it was a bit more sort of uh, everyone had their own egos in those days and wanted yeah. to make sure, you know, they were they were the main act in, in, in the group. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so comfortable then. I, th yeah. I think that's an interesting point, isn't it? That that I think the reason that we find it so easy is because we really do leave our egos at the door. Mm. Um, it's not about who wrote what. It's just yeah. about making the best product. And, yeah. and I will say that, that we're probably about the quickest songwriters on the planet i reckon wow. because I, I made a point in case it was there was one song um and and i said james we haven't got a verse for this yet and he said oh i've got to go in 10 minutes but should we do it now <laughs> we did and within wow. 10 minutes it, it was done um and, and that is kind of the way we work i think uh that middle eight of oppenheim when we worked on it for about 35 minutes 40 minutes something like that uh, all those odd chords and the lyrics and everything were all just done. Um, so yeah, we're 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 quick. I think um, as you get older, as long as you're doing it right, then things should get easier because you have more knowledge to base things on. You could go, oh, we could go there or we could go there. But as long as you're focused about it, you usually know where you should go with it. Um, you just go, yep, yeah, that's the idea. Move on, next one. <laughs> Yes. And you mentioned that it's sort of easy to write songs about things going on in this day and age. <laughs> I haven't been on the planet that long, but in my experience, it's always been crazy political times. So I feel like maybe it always has been. And particularly during the 80s, there was stuff going on. So have you always found inspiration from the world throughout the last 40 or so years? Oh, well, I don't think I was very influenced by political stuff in the 80s when when I was writing then I think it's just, yeah I, I I think that the world has gone through so many radical changes hasn't it since those times and it just seems to be more sort of in your face and in the news the whole time these days doesn't it yeah. what's going on so you, you you can't really escape from it and uh 
Yeah, so it, it it is different these days, I think. I, th- I think having lived through, you know, that early time, I mean, you know, I was in school in the early 70s, uh, and knowing what it was like there, yeah, there was always political turbulence, but you, you never felt that the politicians were crooks. And I think that's the feeling today is that most of the politicians are crooks. Half of them are multimillionaires, um, and these are the people that are speaking for us. So I think it's more outrageous these days. And because there's so much more fake stuff going on, it's fake news. You have no idea what's real and what isn't. And certainly, you know, you get things like Partygate, and it's like, well, we all knew that was real, didn't we? From the beginning, <laughs> we all knew what had happened. But denial, denial, denial. Um, I think it is worse than it's ever been. And with all the new technology, with the bots on social media and all of that sort of stuff, it's only got worse. You know, it's playing into the hands of the people that want to abuse it, really. Yes, absolutely. Well, are you working on anything at the moment? Maybe a bigger album or more singles and any shows coming up? <laughs> Definitely working on stuff. Yes, a bigger <laughs> album. That, 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 that is a good phrase to use for where we're at, really, because we've got about 25 or 30 ideas that are kind of in different stages of being finished. And uh, so we're just pondering whether to release one album or release a double album or one album followed by another one six months later or something. A tricky one, but it, it's it's fun having so many ideas to play around with. Yeah, there's a lot of good, a lot of good ideas as well. I think there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of competition for oh what if we're if it's going to be two albums what would be on the first album and what wouldn't and and whether we can tie those up. Uh, mm. I mean, there's a song there's a song we've only just begun to work on called Prison Break, oh. um, and 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 we have a kind of a, a loose philosophy that the new album would be locationally based. So every song would be in a location you know Oppenheimer is you know California at the Atomic Energy Commission that's where it's based so you can stick a pin in the map and say it's that um, so if all of those songs are locationally based, you know, uh, this was another idea of Chris Hopkins where he went, Prison Break, I've got this idea. Uh, <laughs> and I quickly stuck a verse down for it. And I went, well, this is all very well, but where is it? Which prison is it? We need to drive. And he kind of went, it should be Alcatraz. <laughs> and I went, has anyone ever escaped from Alcatraz? And he went, yeah, there's a couple of people that escaped, but they were never found. So no one knows whether they drowned or not. And so maybe the idea is maybe that song goes on the first first album but on the second album at the end we'll just do a little recap and we'll catch up with these two guys in South America sipping caipirinha in Brazil uh and that will be the end of that little story you know (laughs) yeah that's good it pays off if you listen to the whole album (laughs) that's the idea (laughs) yes well where are we able to keep up to date with you and of course find this new Oppenheimer song which is out now Mm. isn't it yeah it's everywhere (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> um, it's a digital single only It's on all the digital yeah. outputs It will be on a physical product sooner or later But at the moment it's digital So yeah, your normal Spotify, Apple Music All of those places, it'll be on YouTube We're just about to put the full video up On our YouTube channel Which is YouTube, The Corgis, as you would imagine yeah. uh, You can catch up with us on Thecorgis.com is our website That's easy to remember as well yeah. And Facebook pages, Twitter pages We're dabbling in TikTok Don't like it very much but, uh, you know, Instagram, all of those. We're, we're on all of them. We're pretty easy to find. Excellent. Well, many thanks to you both for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, likewise. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound. The Toby Gribbon Show.